As Oscar Wilde once said, we are each our own devil, and we make this world our hell. Violin Vice contains graphic and explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Violin Vice Podcast. If you're not subscribed to us already, please hit the subscribe button or give us five stars because we'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm John John. And I'm Audie. Here with my sister. Yes, we're, we're siblings and it's wonderful. And today we're going to be talking about Spring Heeled Jack, which I'm pretty excited about. I am too. Well, he's real slash not which i can't really say about most things except for like maybe bigfoot but you know that's just me well you know the family joke is we're all related to bigfoot well we're from the woods we are hairy and we can leave it there uh <laughs> A lot of confusion, even in myself, between Springheel Jack and Jack the Ripper, because they are roughly around the same time, but they are distinctly different in many, many ways. Um, essentially, he started out as this England boogeyman around London area. Like nobody, yeah, like essentially a reason why you shouldn't go out alone at night and just be home, be safe, be nice. And it mostly just started in like oral tradition, just stories, nothing really coming of it straight up until about 1837 is when first sightings of some note were started to show up. Most of them are just describing some sort of ghost essentially this floating orb and that would just yeah a glowing white orb first views were of this that would seem to bounce around mostly scaring women causing them to be left in sort of states of shock and extreme fright and hysteria but nothing really was done about it mostly viewed as just a boogeyman and this sort of grew more and more and more throughout that 1837 year. That is until December of that year. Close to New Year. Nothing really made it seem like this could be a real thing. Until a newspaper reported sightings of it. And they mostly called him Steel Jack at that time so not even spring heel jack yet but still jack because something about jack is just like that's just a dude do you know where the steel came from i think some of it was when the sightings started to go from orb to this essentially armor clad t- 
type gentleman. So, sort of like he was wearing that knight's armor. Okay. But would transform from that ghostly orb to that, or just started doing the same thing as that kind of persona. Which, I mean, it's weird seeing an orb bouncing around, and weirder still seeing a guy bouncing around. But they didn't mention anything about the spring part until the first official recognition of it. Which was done by the mayor of London, uh, the Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cohen. John Cohen, Sir Lord Mayor, that's a fancy title. Right? I mean, it's it's mid-1800s England, so like right during the Industrial Revolution, there's still lords and ladies and stuff like that. So, I mean, it sounds very, I don't know. English. I I mean that's probably a better word for it. I was gonna say English, but that's because I'm uncultured. But that's me. Hey, we're <laughs> just two country bumpkins trying to do a podcast. It's all it's all good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, eighteen thirty seven, it was mostly just hearsay then 1838 right away in january is when this lord mayor of london sir john cohen received an anonymous letter essentially regarding the seriousness of this creature that has been terrorizing london and the nearby suburbs of it and nothing to get you going like a spooky letter Right? An anonymous one, which was described as in a fine handwriting, which for some reason led him to believe it was some woman who wrote it. But that's also because of gender norms back then. Probably had something to do with it, too. But that's different topic altogether. And at this time, he was viewed in three particularly different disguises i guess there's the orb ghost which was already pretty prominent even before anything else and then he was also described as some sort of demonic bear a bear for some reason yeah a bear because well we'll get to that in a little bit later and then lastly is the devil which is mostly because they look like a person and there's weirdness to that i don't really understand it he was a costume supervillain. yeah that that i got from putting pictures on the blog of the various versions of spring hill jack it just yeah he, he like, definitely has I'm a pretty, couple get-ups yeah the like main devil thing is that he had this metal helmet which i'm pretty sure was like bulletproof type because weirdness People would try shooting him or attacking him, and it would seem to have no effect. So I think it's kind of like that V for Vendetta scene where he gets shot a bunch of times and just doesn't react. I want to say it's similar to that, but no idea. But he had this horned metal helmet, which can only be used to be sort of viewed as some sort of devil. And then always having that like metal casing around his chest. 
And then sometimes he'd have like this cloak that made him look normal or a bear skin instead of the cloak. And he would sometimes remove the cloak or the bear skin to reveal the metal horn type things. So he's he's got a lot of looks. He's very stylish <laughs> in many ways. Stylish or, or just theatrical? Bit of both. Bit of both. Definitely. So what do you... What do you make of this so far? Essentially, nothing official is there, but there's been a lot of stories about him. What would you say is up with this? I would think either it's a couple different people trying to do this same gag, or like maybe it like the first one is just like a couple of ghosts or something, and then it just sort of evolved. Um... But yeah, no, I, I'm definitely intrigued to see where this is all headed. Uh, does he do anything with the woman that he scares, or does he just, like, pop out and scare him? For the most part, it's popping out, scaring him. But he also has, like, these Freddy Krueger-like claws, which are sometimes described as bear claws, adding more to that bear thing. But metal claws that he's essentially scratching and tearing away at like the clothes and the face and neck and stuff. So he's attacking these women, but like, it's nothing really all that deadly. Just they're being attacked to make it seem sort of animalistic in nature. So mostly it's these from poor families or working quote unquote girls uh that are being attacked and frightened so most authorities aren't exactly taking a lot of this seriously thinking it is just some woman's weird fantasies and frightened and weak-willed because that's how people thought back then by working women do you mean like prostitutes or yes yes okay. i do okay i thought that was what you're hinting at just wanted to make sure but yeah. that that does line up with like Jack the Ripper and his target audience. Yeah, it does. Which is kind of weird in and of itself. But when it started to get taken more seriously, unsurprisingly, is when working class men were also being scared and attacked by this figure as well. So it wasn't just young women that are being attacked by this guy it is also essentially not quite lordship like men as well like middle class and below didn't seem to have any preference after a certain point but still main targets were women so to give you the full description of what all of these stories tend to put together or at least reoccurring themes are essentially this metal chest piece made of brass so shiny and kind of gold the horned helmet this bear skin that's brought on top these two long bladed gloves some sort of spring shoes like Sorry. they actually describe it as spring shoes and that must be where he gets the name Spring Healed. I bet that's the main reason. But it was described but, long before he was called Spring Healed. 
Gotcha. To kind of go back, uh, were the bladed gloves like Wolverine fingers or? I, I really am leaning more towards like Freddy Krueger type stuff where they're okay. lined up with the fingers. It would also explain why they don't actually do anything lethal, but still cut. Because if you do any like hard slashes like that, you are going to break your fingers. Yeah. But if it was like actually like Wolverine stuff where you could brace it all the way up the arm, that probably would be much more deadly and he wouldn't be able to be as dexterous and just getting clothes specifically and not actually harming the women either gotcha. if it was just the fingers which is where i'm leaning more towards that okay but there's more to this more. he also was told to have red glowing eyes which i can't think of a good reason why that would be the case besides panic and hysteria yeah, because, I mean, cameras weren't really a thing, and you can't necessarily flash so your eyeballs appear red, you know, in certain light. Yeah. Everything. Like, if, like we get that red eye syndrome all the time with cameras, but you don't get that with candlelights, which is, no. like, all they had then. And I don't think that they had colored contacts either. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past this guy. Clearly an inventor because of the, the gloves and the spring shoes. And knowing that, like, hard armor chest piece would stop bullets and stuff like that. Yeah. So I wouldn't exactly put that past him, but I don't know if he would know how. Until we get to the last characteristic. Yeah. Where he would spit fire at Ooh. people, blinding them and stunning them. But the fire was blue fire. Oh, weird. Yeah, right? Yeah. I don't really get it. So, so I'm not great with chemistry or anything. But I, what do you think it was that was the blue fire to spit I mean, from his mouth? I mean, I'm not great really at chemistry either, but like normally blue flames are higher burning, hotter flames and I don't think fire breathers could necessarily do blue flames but i again don't know not an expert um but i mean fire breathing is a thing and maybe that could explain why they think that he has red eyes is just like the light off of the bat but i don't i i, I don't know that that's very interesting right that was the weirdest thing for me was strictly the blue flames and that he was able to talk before spitting the flames too which kind of took out the fire breather thing that it was like some sort of chemical in his mouth that he would spit and light because yeah. he's usually described as holding a candle as well or a lantern which could catch that on fire but if it's not from his mouth where is it coming from true so yeah. if you were going to be some sort of makeshift 1800s Victorian Iron Man, <laughs> you'd probably take a couple pages from Spring Hill Jack's book, right? Pro pro probably. He, he must have had like some copper tubing and pump or something if he was going to like spit out a chemical and light it on fire or something near his mouth. But Had I, I don't to. Know. Had to have. And clearly he's from money. Yeah. Because common people wouldn't be able to afford half of the stuff that he even had. But yeah. it, it, it 
it's weird. It's 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 weird and it doesn't completely make sense. No, it doesn't. Um but yeah, no, I would think with the different costume descriptions too, could it be more than one guy doing this? Well, here's another thing with it is there were many people arrested as spring Heel Jack, most of which were drunk people confessing to it. Most of it was also essentially mentally disturbed people that were intentionally frightening children and women, but not actually doing anything else and missing a lot of these major components to it. Yeah. So after he started getting this popularity, he had a bunch of people emulating him because it was essentially putting all of the south of england in an uproar of hysteria that this person could be attacking all over the place so to get into that i can talk about the first couple cases of it actually being considered at the very least and investigated by police yeah Ooh. Ooh. The weird thing is, is they're all within a very short timeline and then the rest are more of just here and there. Okay. But most people know about the Alsop case and the Scales case, which were very close together right away in 1838. All right. So first is this Jane Alsop case. All right. I'm going to read it straight off the page. Mostly because I don't want to get it wrong. But it is Jane Alsop who reported on the night of 19th of February, 1838. So same year that the Lord Mayor made his announcement. Uh, she answered the door of her father's house to a man claiming to be a police officer who told her to bring a light claiming we have caught spring Heel Jack here in the lane. She brought the person a candle and noticed that he wore a large cloak. The moment she had handed him the candle, however, he threw off the cloak and presented a most hideous and frightful appearance. Vomiting blue and white flame from his mouth while his eyes resembled red balls of fire. Great balls Mel of fire. Right? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> Now, Miss Alsop reported that he wore a large helmet, pretty fitting, and that his clothing, which appeared to be very tight-fitting, resembled white oil skin. So, think of like a white morph suit type thing. And without saying a word, he caught hold of her and began tearing at her gown with his claws, which she was certain were of some sort of metallic opposite, uh, substance. So... Metal Claws, Freddy Krueger, makes kind of sense. Yeah. So she screamed for help and managed to get away from him for a time and ran towards the house. He caught up with her, though, on the steps and started tearing at her neck and arms with his claws. But her younger sister rescued her, pulling her away and bringing her inside her house while her other sister screamed for help up on the second floor balcony. In which case he essentially knew that if he stayed, he'd be caught. So he jumped away. And since this, 
yeah, you know. And since this whole family was a pretty well off, I wouldn't say noble, like upper middle class, this was essentially the first case that had some sort of societal merit to it. And so people started looking for this guy all over. Police were finally trying to find some sort of description of this, and they actually ended up getting two suspects. I think it was a bricklayer and a carpenter who had been drinking that night. Couldn't exactly remember everything themselves, but when Jane was brought to the prisons where they were being held, she blatantly described that neither of these people were the person that attacked me. So they thought they had their man, wasn't. But the thing is, while both of them were in the jail is when the Scales case happened. So pretty short time before that. So yeah, nine days after the attack on Jane, 18-year-old Lucy Scales and her sister were returning home from visiting her brother, who was a butcher of pretty good respect, in a part of London called Limehouse. I don't think that sounds like a great place. Is it spelled like L-I-M-E? Yes, Limehouse. Okay. So it doesn't... I don't know what it is. I don't know London very well either. So that's maybe a respectable place. I don't really know. But it's called Limehouse, so I think it would smell of citrus. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) A very clean smelling place. Yes. Smells like lemon pledge. Um, (laughs) So Lucy Scales and her sister were walking home from their brothers, and you'll kind of get a kick out of where this happened. They were traveling home and were seeing this figure along Green Dragon Alley. Green Dragon Alley. Like it's it's just it spills Diagon Alley. Like it does. That's, that's keeps on going. Like keeps being where my mind goes whenever I hear it. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> So you can see why I've enjoyed researching this guy. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> so while going down Dr- Green Dragon Alley, they observed a person standing in a weird sort of angle of the passage. And from their distance, they seemed to kind of think there was, was some sort of woman because they were kind of a lithe, skinny kind of figure, I guess, and mistaking the horned helmet as some sort of hairstyle sort of like a bun so they didn't really seem to pay it any mind and while she was walking a little bit farther in front of her sister and came upon this person again large cloak he turned and again spit blue fire at her face blinding her almost instantly and just in surprise knocked her to the ground and she started to get these sort of violent fits, which is kind of where I'm leaning with, like, the chemical stuff. Okay. And this sort of weird conniption-type fit continued for several hours after that, but her sister saw a lot of it. 
Do but, you know, was she, like, scarred or anything? Like, do you think it was, like, an acid? Or... I haven't seen anything that says that she got burned or scarred from the flame. Okay. And I haven't seen anything that says anything like that about any of the other cases either. But it's a reoccurring thing, so I don't know if it's essentially some sort of gas smell that could be noxious or something. But that's kind of where I'm leaning towards it, but not anything that would cause scarification or anything along those lines okay so she walks down this alley sees this person doesn't pay any mind blue fire in her face she screams falls down her sister goes to help her hearing the scream back from his house their brother rushes over to find them and by the time he gets there he just finds his sister Lucy, the one who is attacked, on the ground in her conniption-type seizure fit. And her sister is just there holding her. He I took think, him back home. I huh? think the lesson we need to learn from this is always travel London with your siblings. You know, you might be onto something there. Because... A lot of the people that seem to get out of those situations have a sibling nearby. Now I'm thinking, if I'm going to London, I'm taking you with me. Please do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so once he gets his sister's home, and then they calm down a little bit, he learned from the other sister about what happened. And... She started to kind of describe this guy as a tall, thin, gentlemanly-like appearance. So somewhat of like a, a thin, aristocratic-like person with a large cloak. And he had a small lamp or a bullseye lantern. I'm not exactly sure what a bullseye lantern is, but I feel like that's some sort of hooded lantern used back in that time. Mostly like by uh, kind of cops and stuff like that. So. Okay probably like the early equivalent to a flashlight gotcha. and according to their report he springheeled jack never spoke or even tried to touch them or any any sort of way just blew the fire and left but this all happened while the first suspects were in jail and about to be identified as not the assailants so they thought they had their guy, and he attacked again while they thought they had him. So those are the two most well-described cases. I think also because there were other witnesses there to confirm such things. But those are the two big popular ones. And both of them, blue-white flame, some sort of horns, big cloak, and some sort of way of getting away quickly. Yeah. So I'm leaning more towards supervillain than superhero at this moment. If you ask me. Yeah. What do you think? No, or, or, yeah, supervillain fits in. Because, like, I mean, when, uh, like, you first started out with the knives or whatnot, tearing off the clothes, that's, that, that, that's kind of a bad vibe. Yeah, it's a pretty bad vibe. Mm -hmm. And he's just doing it to spook people. For the most part. And, like, there are reports of him actually killing 
people, but it's all just oral hearsay. So it's nothing officially of them actually killing somebody. But many people have claimed that the death of a certain person has been because of this monster who is gradually gaining more and more popularity in the, the newspapers. And I know there's a show with this name, but back in those days, like short stories were called Penny Dreadfuls. Yes, I and love he Penny was, Dreadfuls. Yes, he was a pretty popular character for the next couple decades with that as well. But, I mean, what would you... What would you do if you were either Lucy or Jane and this happened to you? Like, after the fact or as it's happening? You know what? Let's go with both. After the fact, like, if somebody just blew fame, like, blew, blew flames at my face, I would be like, you saw that, right? Too, like, just verifying that I'm not crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then if it was during, you know, like... I mean, my gut reaction is just to deck the person, you know, like, yeah, yeah. but fire just came from their mouth. So you might not want to get as close. I think that might be why he started with it. Yeah. But like, I don't know, run away, (laughs) like escape. I mean, yeah. Flight. If fight doesn't work, you, you, you run. Yeah. I like it. That's smart. Do that. Yeah. If you if you if you jack him in the face and then run away, now you've thrown him off his rhythm. Yeah. And I've been told that's what you're supposed to do in those situations. By many sources, one of which is John Mullaney. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those all happened within two weeks in February. Not even three months after its first appearance inside of a newspaper of possibly even being real. And less than, I think, a month or just after a month since it was recognized by the mayor of London. So I have a feeling that the popularity may have caused this guy to become more active in this sort of case. Because, I mean, if you get popular and people start talking about what you've done, you're more inclined to do it, right? I mean, sorry. Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah. So kind of like fits how an escalation would work with a profile. And while the escalation is more in frequency and not in the act itself, it's still pretty fitting for somebody who's like a i guess a serial terrorist of some sort yeah essentially his big year was that 1838 and it was all at the front but he kept on showing up over the next i want to say four to five decades just randomly throughout most of the south of england mostly in london but Whenever something like this where a person dressed as him would appear and get away, it would show up in that local newspaper. And he would go from essentially the south east coast of England and within two days 
beyond the southern coast of England. So he would essentially be traveling super fast, which made more people believe that this is probably more than one guy. And I don't know. I mean, if he's got them spring shoes, you probably could walk a little bit faster. But I don't know if he'd be walking that fast. And you said that this happened like over the next like 40, 50 years, right? Yeah. Do you think it could be like a family line or a family tradition or something? Well, there's a lot of mention of like key suspects. And initially during that 1838, there was this Irish noble who is essentially deemed the Mad Marquis, who is known for doing these weird and vandalistic type pranks all the time, where he was sort of the prime suspect for it, but they couldn't actually put anything definitive on him. And, I mean, if he's a lord, he has the money to get these kind of tools. So it would put two and two together pretty well. But the thing is, he died in 1859 but spring Hill jack still kept showing up all the way until i think the 1880s did that lord have family though uh a little bit but he was known as the weird one sort of like the black sheep so he wasn't exactly well renowned for his up upholding family traditions and whatnot and if anything he was more known for shunning them completely gotcha and there were a lot of different suspects and copycats that were taken in who essentially just used the name to scare people yeah what were do you know like the age range of most of the suspects like i would expect that they would have to be younger if they're like jumping high distances or have spring heels or whatnot they're almost all exclusively men and the other ones are full-on paranormal creatures and i mean they do kind of range but the life expectancy isn't as long back then either so it would go from probably mid-20s to late 30s for most of the suspects when they were apprehended so it's it's not essentially an old guy ever being suspected of this, but it's not a young kid doing stuff either. Gotcha. But there is one more story that happened really late that I personally find very funny. Yeah. And this is... In 1877, so long after that Mad Marquis, I find to be the prime suspect, is dead. But it's in August, 1877, is when this group of soldiers at Aldershot's barracks in England. So, full-on military base. And this guy shows up. No women there either. So this is kind of an offshoot. Uh, the story goes, a sentry on duty at the North Camp peered into the darkness, his attention attracted by a particular figure advancing towards him. The soldier issued a challenge, which went unheeded, and the figure came up beside him 
and delivered several slaps to his face. Ooh. A guard shot at him with no visible effect. Some sources claim that the soldier may have fired blanks at him, but others that he may have just missed or fired warning shots. But the strange figure then disappeared into the surrounding darkness with astonishing bounds. And they didn't really mention it in this part, but the sentry is in a guard tower. Yeah. Which is very much off the ground. And this guy is approaching on the ground, bounds up to them at the top of this tower, slaps him in the face, and then runs off. So you can see why I think that's kind of funny. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, like, he's attacking, like, highly capable targets. And, like you said, he got fired at, and he's obviously not afraid to do that. So No. And the weird thing is, stuff like this would happen at this base over a course of several months so that when this figure was seen he was like they had orders to fire on sight none of which actually ever stopping him so this guy would just keep showing up for months slap a couple guards in the face and take off for months (laughs) like he's not not... causing like really any harm besides the slap but yeah yeah. He's just like the modern day troll. Yeah. I mean, like, he went from this essentially to be feared and possible devil creature to this guy who's just pulling pranks and slapping guards in the face. That's it. Yeah. And, like, after that, it's just like there is this thing just jumping around. It looked like a guy. It's Spring Heel Jack again. But I don't know. I really liked him. He seemed pretty cool. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that last account <laughs> does. Not the first couple, but the last account no. does. No, I, like, I had to mention that one because that was just yeah. so great. Granted, I don't condone the behavior, but it's still pretty funny. Yeah, if you knew, if you knew that this was going on, even today, it just somebody at a military base goes up to the guard, slaps him, and runs off with out anything i'm pretty sure people would be laughing just as much for the most part that's all spring heel jack in his last sighting is not two years before jack the ripper comes on the scene essentially putting spring heel jack into obscurity for the rest of time yeah because i know well I mean, little spoiler, Jack the Ripper is going to be episode four. I know he was also called the devil that terrorized London um, mm-hmm. along the same lines as Spring Heel Jack, but yeah. uh, Jack the Ripper had bodies, not stories. So, yeah. Exactly. And, like, the weird thing is that he had this kind of this weirdness about him that, like, seemed to border on lines of both paranormal and realistic. Which kind of kept people just wondering about him if he was actually a devil or a real person. Because it was possible, but also highly improbable. So, I think that's why he gained so much popularity in the 1800s. Yeah. What do you think? What was, what would be the weirdest thing about him besides the blue flame? Um, I mean, kind of the red glowing eyes. I don't know how you would make eyes glow. I, I mean... That and um, I, I think the technology for the time in order to get the spring healed 
like boots to jump as high as he did like to a guard tower and over walls and everything i'm not quite sure the technology was there for that time um no very so, steampunk-esque yeah uh, very much so so either he was a pretty good inventor and uh had some fun with his money and time or yeah he's paranormal but he's definitely an interesting character yeah 1800s victorian batman yeah <laughs> except uh maybe more joker-esque than batman yeah combine the both there you go <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah i think he's he's an interesting figure of some sort or figures could be multiple very likely to be multiple yeah but i don't know i really liked it also for the <laughs> listeners if you guys haven't noticed yet both john john and i are huge nerds so you're welcome <laughs> in very different weird nerd circles but still nerd yeah so kind of playing off each other's nerdness it works out good there's some crossover a little bit <laughs> <laughs> really liked uh the penny dreadful series like those will pop up in a couple of cases that we're gonna cover and um just london in this era had a lot going on as far as crime and uh mysteries it's a a large period of change for a very concentrated area so it's bound to have good stories yes for sure yeah but i don't know that that seems about it for me. What do you think? Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. So um, I'll, I guess I'll take us out this week. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to Violent Vice. If you guys have any ideas or want to contact us, you can reach us at violentvice at gmail.com. Uh, we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook uh, is and, and Instagram are both Violent Vice Podcast. Uh, Twitter's at Violent Vice. And if you want to support the show or get access to bonus content, you can visit patreon.com backslash Violent Vice. Um, and again, uh, if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Give us five stars. You can say what you like. Um, it helps boost us up the charts and helps spread the word. Um, we really appreciate you guys. So much, really. And like, even if it's not as much as... We may be asking for any little bit helps on Patreon, so we appreciate any of it. So thank you so much, and we look forward to talking with you next week. And next week we have a huge spooky story for you. Can't wait. Oh, God. Super spooky. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Violin Vice. Cover art is by Audie Griffith. Music by Annabelle Revac. If you want to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash violinvice or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. This helps us move up the charts and also helps keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.